Hey, welcome to our new podcast, Legends of Philadelphia. We're your hosts. I'm Johnny Zito, and this is my business partner and best friend, Tony Trove. Hello, everyone. Joining us on engineering duties is Brian Bierman. Hello. You might be asking yourselves, what makes these guys experts? Well, in addition to being Philly natives, Tony Trove and I have a little t-shirt business, South Fellini, that focuses on Philly culture and in-jokes. Lots of times, customers will ask us, you know, what's the deal with Toynbee tiles? Or they want to know what the word John means. So we decided to start this podcast as an easy explainer for the new Philadelphians and a refresher for the old heads. The city fascinates and excites us. We're hoping to share that with you. Recorded so, in a submarine. Yeah, it, it might be a little <laughs> echoey here. A thousand miles under the ocean. Um, but we are still recording in isolation. Uh, it is several weeks into the, the quarantine, the voluntary lockdown. If you're not an essential worker, uh, l- like podcasters, uh, then you're or, uh, <laughs> or wrestling or wrestling, then you're probably uh, working from home or not working at all. So here we are uh, filling our time with uh, with podcast stuff. Um, normally, we uh, we run South Fellini, which is a t-shirt and apparel company uh, in South Philadelphia. Our website is still open for business, uh, southfellini.com. <laughs> uh, our Instagram and Twitter are updating every day with fresh new um, content. Sometimes it's old sweet content. Tweets. Sweet, sweet tweets. Sweet tweets. Sweet Sick tweets. Tricks and sweet Sick treats. tricks. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, so we're we're trying to stay entertained. Uh, we, we hope uh, we can keep you entertained too. So pay attention, uh, uh, tune in, uh, see what we're up to. Um, maybe we can talk about all the things we uh, we would be doing if we weren't locked up right now. Well, uh, I just did the most South Philly thing ever. I just I just moved my car to in front of my house from up the block. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for it for for weeks, and it finally happened. The car moved, and I. Got my, my little car and put it in front of my house. Where do you think they went? Doesn't, back back to back to their neighborhood, wherever that is. Doesn't matter. Up the block. Up, up the, the other block. The, other block. They, the spot open in front of their house. Yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess it's uh it's mid-April now. I, uh, if this were any normal year, we would have all just uh, celebrated Easter and been doing um, uh, springtime things. We'd be uh, buying the leftover <laughs> candy leftover from candy, CVS. Yes. Yeah, and, half uh, off. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah dollar bags. Um, <laughs> I didn't feel like it was worth risking it this year. I didn't go out. I didn't get in line for any uh, any Cadbury's or, or Hershey's le- that might be left over. I think I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let it go. No, no, we're gonna eat them. That's em. a quitter. That's a quitter. I'm coming talk, over. Man. I'm I'm getting a bag. <laughs> I'm coming over. What's the dog doing? Dog's gonna have chocolate. Happy no, Easter. they can't. Yep. They can't. Says the Pope. They can watch you though. Yep. They can watch. That's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. They can watch enviously. Uh, I was. I've been thinking about uh, what I would be doing um, if it weren't for this, and it was probably. I came to the realization that it would probably be me doing the same thing, not going out. <laughs> I can't, I can't wait this, until right? <laughs> I can't wait until uh, the first like when it, everything finally opens and everyone's like, hey, we're having parties and 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 we're going out and we're going to have a picnic. And I'm going to be like, oh, I, I can't. I can't today. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be, there's gonna be like drunk people and mosquitoes and, you know, I'm good. 
I just, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't like that I am forced in the house. I like to choose staying in the house. You, you want, want it to be, be your, decision. your decision, sure. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. But your, doing your the choice. same stuff. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, since we're all trapped indoors, I thought it might be a good opportunity to talk about the great outdoors. And how scary it is. It's, it's very scary. Uh, I'm not an outdoorsy person. I've never been camping. I've never spent overnight in like a tent or anything like that. Uh, that's too much for me. Uh, Philadelphia is not a very woodsy place, but the city is home to lots of wild creatures. Uh, unfortunately, not all of these animals are welcome. Most of them don't belong here at all. So this week, we want to talk about uh, Philly's most invasive species. Uh, these can be any kind of living organism, an amphibian, plant, insect, fish, fungus, bacteria, or mammal that's dude, not native like, to its current ecosystem. Dude, humans are the invasive humans. species, bro. <laughs> Yo, yo, that's mm-hmm. deep, deep. When I was when I when I was putting this on paper last night, I was like countdown until someone mentions that humans are the most invasive species. Yo, dude, think about it. I just blew your mind. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. And now, and now we are in the zoo, and the animals are free. That's true. That's I've seen true. pictures on the internet. Oh, dude. I've seen pictures on the internet. The animals, nature is taking it back. They are free, and we are we are con- controlled and contained. We're, we're in, in our little zoos. <laughs> we're in the exotic zoo. They're out there having picnics. <laughs> <laughs> I see these oh. birds having a grand old time in front of CBS. Yeah, I don't see the birds upset. The birds are definitely they don't mind the they don't mind the bat flu. They don't mind the coronavirus. They're getting by just fine. Do you guys know anything about uh, actual native species that lived in Pennsylvania before, before uh, human settlers, uh, before uh, Native Americans moved in? Even oh no, the water bug, right? <laughs> <laughs> the the great and proud they're, water they're bug infinite, that would roam <laughs> these prairies, these grass prairies. Yeah, beautiful. Um, <laughs> the rare, uh, the rare jit bag. No, <laughs> not, not very not rare. That rare. Well, not back rare. then they were. Common, now they're common. they're a dime a dozen now. Uh, yeah, they've really proliferated. Uh, before there was the concrete jungle, before uh, Swedish settlers or William Penn, American toads, elk, and mountain lions lived in these parts. Whoa. Pen- Pennsylvania is home to 394 native bird species, 186 of which live in the state all year round. Atlantic sturgeon. Wild turkey and flying squirrels are all PA state residents, although some of them are more endangered than others nowadays. Flying squirrels. Wow. Sorry. Yeah. Bet you didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. I did a Pennsylvania project when I was a kid, and I remember I put a picture of Rocky in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, I didn't know that one. That one was news to me. I know, uh, I know that I'm, I'm sure before the rivers were polluted, there was lots of great uh, fishing to be had. And it makes sense that there was wild turkeys around here because Ben Franklin was like obsessed with them. If you, go to, if you go to the Ben Franklin house or whatever, they tell you about his experiments or, uh, with turkeys and electricity 
and then he learned, and then he wanted to... <laughs> Wait, know, what? <laughs> he tied, a, he tied a turkey to a kite, and uh, that's, that's, that's... Wait, that's what? <laughs> Electrifying <laughs> turkeys, yeah, that's definitely... Uh, I don't know if it's apocryphal, but it's definitely a story. It's definitely a story that goes around. Goes around where? <laughs> you know, the internet, the, the internet, the Ben Franklin I've hubs. never heard that. I did not... Turkey know conventions. Like, like Frankenstein style? Yeah, the monster the turkey, Frankenstein, like um, Franken, Franken turkey. Like, uh, like, I guess it goes hand in hand with those like rumors of Ben Franklin having like bodies buried in his stairways, you know, like things like that. It's like all of the uh, the, the dark and macabre Ben Franklin stuff. Yeah, that, right, that stuff. But there, yeah. I, I think of them as being associated with the, you know, with that era and with those 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 guys with it, with the founding fathers or whatever. I guess they were around. They're part of Thanksgiving tradition. You know, it makes sense that like. They were all over the place. I, I, I buy that. Flying Actually, squirrels. Let's, let's I just... electrocute some of this stuff and see what happens. <laughs> I guess. Um, I, I didn't know anything about flying squirrels, though. I didn't know. Um, oh. I've never seen one. All the squirrels I've, I've ever encountered were very terrestrial. None of them had any. Well, this is Pennsylvania. This is not Philadelphia, you know. I guess that's true. I guess they, they don't necessarily have to be in, in the city. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe that's a, a if you're gonna fly you you, you remain at, in more rural areas. They're, they fly over Philly. <laughs> they they they, they can't fly above squirrels. This is a flyover pack, city. So they're like, you know what? We gotta get out of here. That's the truth. Uh, let's start with uh, one of the newest additions to the Philly invasive species list: the lanternfly. The spotted lanternfly. Uh... <laughs> no, not a fan. <laughs> the heel. Of, of, of Philadelphia uh, animals. <laughs> uh, the spotted lanternfly is a new insect first discovered in Pennsylvania around 2004. A state forester happened to be walking on a trail behind his house in Berks County. He noticed a very unusual insect being uh, uh, a state forester. He knew that there was something strange going on, so he went to the Department of Agriculture and they determined it was a spotted lanternfly. Native to China, India, and <laughs> Vietnam, the species suddenly think, showed up. Do you, in you think Burst he County. was like? What, what, do you think he was disappointed when he found it? He was like, "Oh my God, it begins. This is aliens." And then, like, they were just like, "No, it's just a spotted lanternfly, sir." Wait, and he <laughs> he had well, already like 2014 or 2004. Um, it says here 2014 is when they were first discovered in oh. Pennsylvania. So yeah, it's not that they're long ago. they're very recent, and apparently. Berks County is the first place they showed up in the whole country. It's the landing site. And they don't really know exactly how it showed up there, uh, how it got there, but um, these, they, they lay eggs, they, and uh, their eggs look like, like very, they're very inconspicuous. So the, they, they get around. And, uh, you know, I guess it's up to, like, customs or whatever to catch this stuff coming in, but it could have been attached to, like, lawn furniture, you know, made in China or something like that and gotten over here. It didn't have to be anything in city. That or... damn lawn f- furniture. We got to outlaw that. <laughs> I've been <laughs> saying it forever. Um, but it's so comfortable. And, and, and so it's not like it would come over on something wacky no. like, um, like I don't know. A hot air balloon. Yeah, hot air balloon or, or like. Well, there's no, like, infected monkey or, or anything something. spreading it. or Yeah, yeah. There's nothing There's nothing exotic spreading it. It's very commonplace. And so it's, like, something that, that has to be looked out for to begin with. And um, it finally made its way here in 2014. Um, and since it made its way here, it has spread to 14 counties in Pennsylvania and eight in New Jersey. Um, for anybody who doesn't know what an adult lanternfly looks like, if you haven't encountered them, they have a black head and grayish forewings with black spots on them. 
the uh, when nesting or when resting, the crimson hind wings are partially visible through semi-translucent forewings. Uh, neatly spaced black rectangular markings color the tips of the forewings in a pattern sometimes likened to brick and mortar. The abdomen is yellowish with black and white bands on the top and bottom. Lanternflies are strong jumpers and use their wings to assist them in these jumps rather than making sustained flights. So they don't, they don't fly very well, but the, the wings are for, for jumping and maintaining a glide or direction while, while in the air. Like Batman's cape. Yes, much like Batman's cape. Thank you. Right, thank you. Thank you. Uh, this monster, the uh, the spotted lanternfly, loves to destroy grapes. This monster. It's a monster, man. It destroys <laughs> grapes, stone fruits, and apple grapes. Crops and not grapes, <laughs> man. I'm an apple fan, so this is heartbreaking for me. Though its preferred host is Chinese sumac. So where, where it comes from, what it devours, is not necessarily um, affecting the, um, uh, the, the, the food crop. And uh, so it's, it's not as big a deal. The spotted lanternfly feeds on bark using its piercing, sucking mouth that taps into the plant like a straw. When it feeds, the lanternfly excretes honeydew or sugar water on uh, or around the feeding site. This encourages the growth of black sooty mold, which is not harmful to humans but can kill plants and destroy whole fields. And the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture says these guys are no joke. Uh, what should you do if you see a, a spotted lanternfly? Quote, kill it, squash it, smash it, just get rid of it. In the fall, these bugs will lay 50 eggs each. Uh, they are called bad bugs for a reason. Don't let them take over your county next, end quote. That, that's a government website. The government yeah. says kill Wow. It. This is like E.T. <laughs> <laughs> yep, right. squash E.T. I'll do it. That's what they said to do it. I'll do it. Uh, I'm just saying, like, they, didn't, they, they don't know what they're doing. They're living their lives. They, you're, they you're came just here on a hot their, air balloon. They're exotic appeal. Those, those wings are beautiful. But. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I can't kill something. It is asking a lot. They're like, they're, they're drafting you. You're, you're in conscription to the bug killing corps. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I've only encountered them once before. Uh, somebody else squashed it for me. I didn't, I didn't get a chance. I didn't have to make that call. <laughs> I didn't get a chance. You ran away, dude. I, I, somebody else leapt at the chance. Ziggy, there was a, Ziggy, there was a much more eager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't get my dog, dog on it. One of them. That's so <laughs> I, I guess honestly, it, it's it's a very colorful, gluttonous bug. Uh, the lanternfly sounds more like a, a mascot for Philadelphia than an invader. It's 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 just kind of like, kind of feels like it belongs to be honest. But I I I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know much about. Lays uh, around, looks cute, eats all the food. Yeah. 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 Yeah, people are kind of sick of it. Come on, come, I'm com but I'm coming back, baby. I, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, they aren't poisonous, they don't sting, and they don't attack uh, humans or pets. So mostly they've just been ignored. Uh, they're uh, very easy to miss. Luckily, because the lanternfly doesn't fly so well, uh, its spread has been limited so far. Uh, because the eggs are so inconspicuous, they attach inside wheel wells or on uh, deck furniture, Maybe they're inside, uh, they could already be infesting wood that's being transported, and that's how they've managed to expand so far in such a short time. They could be in your home right now. They're in your uh, home. They could be attached they're to your calling, home. They're calling from inside the house. They could be. It's not, it's not out of the question. Um, they could be attached to your house. They, uh, they, could be, uh, they could lay their eggs anywhere. That's literally the, the way they get around easiest, is attaching themselves to mobile things. 
So if you're, you know, driving down, you know, to another state, if you're driving down to Virginia, check your wheel wells. Otherwise, you could be bringing an infestation of uh, spotted lanternfly with you. I'm not going anywhere, John. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. No one's going anywhere. Don't do anything, um, so. um, but if you were, you should definitely check your, uh, your wheel well. Uh, the egg masses look like silly putty or a wad of chewing gum. Uh, they lay those eggs on anything solid. So in Philadelphia, the side of a building, park benches, sidewalks, cars, and statues. If you see this gunk lying around, the Department of Agriculture wants you to scrape it off and stomp it into mush. Uh, the <laughs> spotted lanternfly eggs. <laughs> they, five bucks if you eat it. <laughs> 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 all, the, all the sophomores got five bucks together and they... They dare you to eat it. <laughs> you won't. You won't. You won't. You won't. Uh, the spotted lanternfly <laughs> egg masses can have 30 to 50 eggs in them. So uh, you're helping to stop a problem before it starts. Each one of these egg masses yeah. could birth 50 lanternflies that birth 50 lanternflies that birth 50 lanternflies. They had 50 friends and they had 50 friends. It's a, a lanternfly. It's just a large pyramid scheme. That these lantern flyers are running. <laughs> yep, uh, I guess all of life is a large pyramid pyramid scheme with a couple mm -hmm. extra steps. Yo, that's deep, dude. Yeah, man. What? Yeah, humans are the most invasive species, and our life cycle yeah. is a life pyramid, is a pyramid scheme. scheme. Yeah. yeah, man, we're cracking yeah. all the codes today here. Yeah. Call oh, Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah. We have <laughs> podcasting figured out. Did you ever do DMT? <laughs> <laughs> oh man this all reminds me the, seeing this stuff on the government websites this reminds me of uh, Starship Troopers and all the videos about stomping out bugs and doing your part and, and mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, I kind of feel like I'm getting energized as I look over this as I look over the Department of Agriculture website for, for bug stomping I feel like this is like important now this is something I can do to contribute <laughs> mm -hmm. you bought Become like big, you bought Big boots and stuff. It's it's for it's for mankind for human for humankind. You know, it's it's not yeah. it's not yeah. Uh, it's it's humanoids versus everyone. <laughs> the bugs. The only good bug is a dead bug. You know, they've been around before us, and and you know they'll probably outlive us. So we have to uh, do something about that, I guess. I, I guess the whole idea is to just keep them at bay. You're right. They'll always be here. They'll, they'll outlive us. Mm -hmm. The water bug uh, originally uh, from bug. Pennsylvania yeah. will be here long after we're all dead. Um, mm -hmm. But in the meantime, you just have to keep them in the walls. You don't want them out. You don't want to see them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, yeah. uh, the spotted lantern fly starts mating towards the end of August and into September, and they'll start laying eggs into the first heavy frost, and that's typically in the spring, say April or May. The eggs will begin to hatch uh, around that time. It's a one-year so life now. cycle. What's that? When we're recording this, now. Yeah, That's so right. right now, yes. I don't know how many weeks. Probably, yeah, it'll come out in the same time. This will come out in the, in the spring as well as the, <laughs> we as the land. We time, it, we time it for the, uh, the it's like a, it's, it's a marketing thing. <laughs> this is the greatest <laughs> cross-promotion in insect history. Yeah. Synergy, dude. <laughs> Synergy with this invasive species. Um, uh, they start laying their eggs into the first heavy frost, and then typically in the spring, say April or May, the eggs will begin to hatch. Uh, it's a one-year life cycle, but if it doesn't get cold enough, they just keep laying eggs until they die. Um, 
So in Korea, the spotted lanternflies uh, have had a major destructive impact on their wine industry. The spotted lanternfly is a similar threat to the Pennsylvania grape farmers who have already reported heavy damages. As of last year, at least one vineyard in Berks County had lost 90% of its crop. The long-term effects of our forests on our forests are still being researched, and it'll be years before they have enough data to understand the effects on other crops. Uh, this is not to mention the danger posed to tree fruit, hardwood, and nursery industries, which are collectively worth $18 billion to Pennsylvania's economy. And of course, the loss of biodiversity has a ripple effect that hurts other species of insects, interrupting the natural reproduction pollination cycles that Pennsylvania is used to. I can't believe that the the nursery hardwood industry is an eighteen billion dollar uh, industry in Pennsylvania. That's I wow. People love their floors, you know. Um, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> so I guess it's a big deal. I guess the people in the people in Harrisburg are super concerned. They don't want to see this uh, infect the crop. Uh, I, I guess that would uh, that would greatly affect this uh, this whole. So you, I guess when I started looking into all this, I, I assumed we'd we'd find oh the lanternfly has displaced you know this and destroyed this crop and here's how it's affected us in a in a very like life cycle kind of way. I didn't expect to think of it how it would like affect the furniture making business. You know like that's that was that's that's a, a trip. And then nursery industry seats. too. Yeah, you're sitting down, aren't you? Yeah, well, I, you're not welcome. to belabor. Yeah, I mean, not to not to undercut your point, but it's a little. Annoying. I'm rubber. <laughs> Chairmakers of America, yeah, stand up. You stand are essential. Up. Sit, sit down. Do you remember? Do you remember like maybe five years ago when like cicadas? Everybody was worried about cicadas. Yeah. Do, do you think that. like the cicadas are pissed off at the lanternflies? Like, yo, this is this is our thing. You're you're you're. They're, <laughs> This is kind of our thing. Yeah, like we we're come the around Stone every like three years. <laughs> yeah, you can't have two Rolling Stone tribute bands. You can't have two all male Madonna cover bands. No. <laughs> Was that a plug? Were you plugging your 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 band? No. You guys have a gig coming no. up. Manterial Girl, my all male Madonna cover band. Oh, he's plugging it along. We all haven't right. played in. We haven't played in a long time. Okay, I thought I thought maybe there was a show coming up, a post quarantine party. Uh, Where are we playing? Something. What's that? Where are we going to play? Uh, luckily, new research from Cornell University suggests there is an answer to beating back the bugs. It's uh, conveniently located in Berks County where the invasion began. Two naturally occurring fungi were found to have killed sizable swaths of lanternflies starting in late 2017. It'll take more testing, but Whoa. this is real progress towards developing an insecticide that only affects lanternflies. Fun guy. Fun guy to the rescue. And again, I don't know. And then again, the solution is mushrooms. <laughs> Man, like, don't you think like just humans are like the human, invasive species, the dude? Invasive species. <laughs> There's a bunch of lantern flies getting high off these mushrooms, just just mm. just taking a tumble. Uh, you know what? I, uh, me and my old lady will leave. How about that? <laughs> they're self-aware they are realizing they are the self uh invasive species i don't know how i don't know how scientific it is to use one invasive species to destroy another invasive species um but it it, it makes sense to me that uh that the byproduct of having the lantern flies would create something that would be their own demise uh in this in the form yeah like of we'll just fungus. release these velociraptors and deal with those deer <laughs> 
It's like last week on the uh, uh, or two weeks ago, whenever the vet stadium, uh, when you t- told us they to kill the mice, they released a bunch of cats. In, yeah. Uh, in the vet. Yeah. It's like that. It is. But then it was overrun by cats, and then you have right. to get dogs because, of course, they don't like each other, famously. But then you have too many dogs. I see what you're saying. Now I get yeah. it. Uh, yeah, okay. The, uh, let's talk about the next. Uh, so that was the first invasive species, or, or one of our top invasive species, one of our most invasive species in Philadelphia. If you see a lanternfly, kill it. Next up is the snakehead fish, more commonly known as the frankenfish, native to parts of Africa and Asia. These elongated predatory fish are distinguished by their long dorsal, fl- dorsal fin, large mouths, and skinny teeth. Oh yeah, and these monsters can breathe air with gills, which allows them to migrate short distances over land. Oh. So they're missing. They're the missing link. They're right out of a horror movie. They're absolutely <laughs> horrifying. They're disgusting. To look at them is is they have asymmetrical features too. Like they're ma- like you look at a uh, you look at like a tuna or something, and the mouth opens. It's like it's like a you know a U shape. It's like it just it looks like the mouth fits the the closed jaw fits in that hole or whatever. But the the snakehead, the frankenfish, has like a misaligned jaw. Its mouth is all asymmetrical and agape. Its teeth are sticking out everywhere. It's like, it's, it looks like a movie prop. You can say something nice about it now. You, know, <laughs> you, can't just, you can't just, you're like, oh, the lanternfly, beautiful, symmetrical. <laughs> a, a, a siren of the city. And then you're like, <laughs> poor frankenfish. I guess you can tell which side I'm on uh, when it comes to the yeah. frankenfish. Uh, mm-hmm. the, they, they, well, their, their bodies are covered in mucus. They're, okay. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so they're like okay. they're disgusting to touch. They're 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 like got a layer of mucus on them so that they can survive outside of the water because their lungs, they have, their gills process air, and they can if it's moist out, if it's wet out, if they're crawling through like a marshy area or if it's raining out. They can crawl over land and live on land up to 24 hours. And they drag themselves across land with these front dorsal, with these front fins that, that they kind of like, they, they move like propellers and they like flap themselves forward. It's, uh, it's, it's nightmare fuel. I'm not into it. I don't appreciate it. <laughs> uh, of all of the invasive creatures I read about this week, uh, this one was, was the, the scariest to me. <laughs> Not a fan. They're a little cute. Like they're like ugly cute. Like they're like pugs. pug cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, pugs. <laughs> well, I do like pugs, so maybe that's a place to start. Maybe I can. Maybe yeah. I can pugs stone, also are slimy. <laughs> Covered pugs in mucus. <laughs> can you eat them though? I think that's. I think that's really where this is going. Can we? Can we eat them? The answer is yes, and apparently they're delicious. Pug, pugs, I mean pugs. I'm talking. About. <laughs> <laughs> wait, oh, I wait. Into you... it. <laughs> yes, no. to both. Um, uh, snakeheads were first documented in the United States in 1977 in California's Silverwood Lake. Uh, the fish is also an important food source in other countries, and could have been intentionally released into the waterways in California to create a local food source for fishermen. Uh, in the United States. I know. I know. Uh, Even though it is illegal in some states to possess a snakehead fish, they are utilized in restaurants and available for purchase online even today. 
Let's buy oh. one, dude. Let's just let we'll we'll, we'll keep <clears throat> it in the office. Well, I'll tell you, man. I understand. Most, I love fish. I love you know. I love sushi and I and 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 you know fried squid and things like that. But um, I don't like to think about what it looked like before it was all chopped up. It's definitely a. And now that I know what this like an oyster, the little thing, a little gross thing, you eat it. You don't think about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I guess you're right. I look. I, you look a muscle right in the face before you slurp it down. Yeah. It's true. Um, all right, I'm, I'm coming around. Now that I know I can eat it, I'm, I'm coming around. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 you know what? You sold me. Let's buy some. Let's eat some. I, uh, I'm looking forward to the day not, the not too, in the not-too-distant future where the Acme has uh, Frankenfish sushi available at their cold bar. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, so, what... This is the seventies. It's in it's in California. It just it's just there. Is that how did it get here? Uh, that is a, a more complicated uh, affair. So the Frankenfish made its national debut in two thousand and two. It made national news after an angler caught a long skinny fish at the pond behind a strip mall in Crofton, Maryland. Neither he nor his fishing body buddies recognized the slimy eighteen inch fish and brought it to the attention of local fish and game officials. Uh, shortly there again, do you think do you think they were like this dude, bro? It's an alien, dude. I, I, I seen this movie. <laughs> I think this when how it starts. I think people think they discovered something new. I don't know if they think it's an alien necessarily, but I think people get real hype. Like I'm the first person who discovered this. This is a new evolution of blank, and and now they'll name it after me. Mm-hmm. And that guy's name was Frank N. Fish. Frank N. Fish. <laughs> His name was Frank N. And that's why it's the Frank N. Fish. Yes. <laughs> Uh, it was Al Franken. <laughs> and that man's name. <laughs> that little boy grew up to be Al Franken. Oh, man. Uh, shortly after it was discovered in Crofton, Maryland, uh, they checked in the Potomac River and discovered that uh, uh, the Frankenfish had gained a foothold in the tidal waters there. Uh, since then, it has spread to every major tributary of the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, wow. But, yeah, I know. It, it, uh, it, they're voracious. Uh they, they definitely, um, uh, they migrate, they move, they're opportunistic, uh, they, they're, they're peak example of an invasive species, I guess. So the frankenfish, mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. Uh, the frankenfish were confirmed in Pennsylvania on July, in July 2004, when two were caught in Meadow Lake at Philadelphia's FDR Park, the lakes. Uh, there, there are interconnected bays and tidal pools that lead to, uh, uh, directly to the Schuylkill and the Delaware rivers. And the, uh, the commission believes that the fish were already present there in the Schuylkill and the Delaware rivers and made their way to those ponds. Uh, so today, uh, frankenfish uh. can be caught as far away as Lancaster and Berks County. Wild. Berks so County, this, victim of the invasive species uh, again. For the Chesapeake. Well, um... That's, uh, that, uh, that remains to be seen. So they did some DNA testing, right? So uh, how did they get here? Uh, are the Philly frankenfish connected to the Cali fish or the Maryland fish? Uh, and the answer is a little bit more complicated because um, 17,000 snakeheads were imported to the United States from 1997 to 2000 as aquarium fish for exotic fish collectors and delicacies right. to be served in Asian restaurants. Exotic fish collectors, dude. They bring in all, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. Yo, there. That's for real. I when, when I was uh, a teenager, I worked at Petco in the fish department, and like people would come <laughs> in and they and 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 they would be like, "Do you have this fish?" 
And I'm like, no, we have like guppies and stuff. And they're like, oh, you got to go. If you go to uh, West Philly late at night there and, and you go in the back room of this one aquarium, you can get like all these weird things. And like people would tell me, and I didn't care. I don't. I don't. Know. I, I would tell people actively not <laughs> to buy fish because it's the worst pet <laughs> you could probably ever ever imagine. But yeah, uh, this it's it, it's definitely an underground. There's a black market, a fish black market. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go undercover. We gotta we gotta we gotta get to the bottom of this. <laughs> that's our next that's next season. All of next yep. season is that mm-hmm. is undercover. That. Twelve episodes of undercover fish market uh sting operations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got any Frankenfish, buddy? <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah, since after 2002, regulations banned the uh Frankenfish. Uh so anybody in possession in PA uh, had to get rid of them, and many owners apparently dumped them into local waters. Uh, oh. So, uh, <laughs> like you do, I'm not allowed to have you anymore. How did you get? How would you even get caught if you had one? I don't know. I don't know. I guess because I guess I guess the same way we know that seventeen thousand were imported to the United States, you have to fill out some kind of custom form, and then you can see who imported them, and then you got you go ask that guy, hey, who'd you sell these fish to? And he's got credit card receipts or whatever. And it's like, hey man, yeah. You... But then you're like, oh, but then also, like, I got rid of it, everyone. I just, I dumped it in the lakes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, good. <laughs> I gotta get rid of this Why fish. They're gonna come through all? the windows. Why do it at all? It's like Law and Order. There's a guy like t- lifting boxes off a truck, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I heard about uh, I heard about him. Uh, Right, it's a weeks-long investigation where they have to, like, they yeah. hit the guy at the docks, then they hit the guy at Petco, they're talking to you, you're like, I don't know, man, I just work here, I just tell people not to... I watch that Law & Order, I watch most Law & Order, so... Law & <laughs> Law and Order Fish Detective. Fish Detective. <laughs> fish Detective. <laughs> law, law & Water. It would law really & Water. Be Law and water, right? <laughs> Claw and water. <laughs> that's crabs, though. That's that's the crab division. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Shellfish. That's a, that's an equal but separate branch. That's a spinoff. Dick yeah. Wolf's got his hand in a lot of pots, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Dick Wolf loves seafood. Um, okay, so scientists, they, they took the DNA from multiple frankenfish from different locations to see if they were related to each other. In particular, the scientists took DNA of the northern snakeheads from the Potom- Potomac River and compared it to DNA of the snakeheads from the Crofton Pond, the isolated pond behind the mall, and the re- results were very interesting. 16 samples from the Potomac were tested, and 15 of the 16 examples, the, the DNA from the Potomac, matched each other. So all of the uh, 90% of these um, uh, uh, fish in the Potomac were all related. Snakehead, you are the father. You are. Uh, <laughs> <boo>. <laughs> Y'all don't know me. But then when they compared the snakehead DNA from the Potomac to the snakehead DNA in Crofton, Maryland, those isolated ponds, those isolated uh, uh, spaces, uh, bodies of water behind that mall, they found that they were not related at all. However, they got there in Maryland uh, behind this mall. Someone just dumped them there. Whether it was a chef who was like, I can't use these anymore. They took them off the menu or a collector (laughs) 
who is like, I gotta, I gotta flush these before, uh, b- before the cops the find out. Find me. <laughs> uh, before the law and water division finds me, I guess. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. But they're, they're not related. So, um, so the Crofton, the Crofton Pond is separate from the Potomac. Uh, but a more uh, recent Drexel study found that uh, frankenfish on the eastern shore of Maryland, uh, nearby the Potomac, all came from the Delaware watershed. So there is evidence that the invasion began in Philly and migrated south and was just discovered in Maryland first. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> it means that it got so out of hand and, and under the radar, it took <laughs> the invasion in another city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then finally they were all over the place and, and, and it made national news. Um, and then uh, found its way back here uh, where there is a huge infestation. And uh, it's a big problem uh, for uh, for fishermen and uh, uh, you know both commercial fishermen and leisure fishermen because it, it greatly affects the uh, the ecosystem. So uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that. <laughs> the Pennsylvania <laughs> oh, Fish, no. fish and Boat Commission uh, notes that snakeheads will compete with other fish for uh, forage and habitat. So uh, in Pennsylvania, it's unlawful for anyone to possess, sell, buy, or trade live specimens to introduce them or import them into Pennsylvania waters or to transport them through the state. Scientists believe that snakeheads could have a profound uh, impact on the native species uh, here in Pennsylvania, either by eating them or dominating the prime habitat. In terms of other fishes, the adult northern snakeheads, the frankenfish, have no other aquatic predators. Therefore, taking only fresh water into consideration, they are on top of the food chain. That doesn't mean they, there aren't other fish at the top of the food chain. It just means, like the largemouth bass, uh, which is also found in the same PA waterways. It just means that uh, these fish um, uh, are competing for the same food stuff. So while the largemouth mouth bass and the frankenfish don't beef, uh, they are competing for the same food. Same worms. Same worms. Well, a lot of the bottom feeders, a lot of the smaller fish, and I guess something that I read, and I don't know, you know, I don't know much about fish, uh, so this I could have misinterpreted this, but it seems like the largemouth bass is more of like an active hunter of the fish, and like when it's like hungry or when it's time to eat, and it's like daily cycle, it goes out and it hunts and it finds something and it eats it. Um, but the uh, the frankenfish just kind of like lies in wait, and it finds like a it finds like a spot. And it just like hides between some rocks or under under some debris or whatever. And it just whatever's passing by, it strikes, 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 mm. and it eats all the time. So uh, I guess like the idea is is that My it's life. like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll eat anything that moves, <laughs> anytime, anywhere. Um, according to the Department of the Interior, a major concern is that the frankenfish might outcompete and eventually displace important native predatory fish that share the same habitat. As adults, the snakeheads can be uh, a voracious predator. Uh, should snakeheads become established in North American ecosystems, their predatory behavior could, be, uh, could also drastically disrupt food webs and ecological conditions, thus forever changing the native aquatic systems by modifying the array of native species. Um, so, you know, uh, they could take over. They could, they could, they could, they could cause the death and extinction. Planet, or... Planet of the Frankenfish. I got it. <laughs> I, they're right out of a horror movie, man. Even... <laughs> so in Delaware, in the Delaware could, River, they walk on. They come on land. I mean, that's terrifying. They breathe. They're, they're pushing like, you around. 
They're pre- creatures from the Black Lagoon, you know? They, they're... Uh, I, I feel like they're made up. to South Philly. <laughs> to me, the Frankenfish feels like something that's, like, made up, like, like oh, Barnum Bailey had a Frankenfish, and he would, and he tricked all of these... He was such a huckster, he tricked all these people into, into believing in his Frankenfish or whatever. I, it just doesn't seem like a real thing, a, a fish that breathes air and also looks as predatory as this one does. It just... It, it could eat a small dog. <laughs> uh, in the Delaware River tributaries, studies by the Academy of Natural Sciences at Drexel University indicate snakeheads are negatively affecting native fish. Uh, examinations of snakehead stomachs have found sunfish, eels, American shad, I've never heard of that, striped bass, and turtle remains. Oh, yeah. Particularly hard hit, yeah, uh, the poor turtles. Particularly hard hit are the snakeheads and the white perch brown bullhead catfish and black carpy all of these are game fish so uh i guess that's like what sportsmen hunt or sportsmen fish for um the fish apparently are in decline because of the frankenfish which we can, can grow up to three feet long and either ate their uh, closest competitors or devour their food and muscled them out of their preferred habitat we don't know for sure it's true and if we're not careful the frankenfish could be the only fish it, you know, you're a couple generations away from the frankenfish dominating all of these waterways and then it being like harder to catch uh, something that isn't a frankenfish because frankenfish make up so much more of the uh, population of fish in your local waterway. Um, it's it's kind of it's kind of nuts. It's kind of crazy. I've never tasted one. I heard they're uh, it, it sounds like they're pretty they taste pretty well. They taste pretty good. So um, I don't know. Maybe Dude, it's, we got to try it. We, we got to. Yeah. It. We'll do a follow-up episode. Anything fried is pretty good. Yeah. We should do a follow-up episode where we where we sample all of these um, uh, invasive species. <laughs> all the invasive, yeah, after we the hunt. Bugs, and, yep. and, okay. what, yeah, we'll, we'll do like a bug kebab. What's the next one? <laughs> uh, Frankenfish sushi. Okay. So uh, last but not least, uh, the most invasive species in Philadelphia. The main event. The, the main, main event. The main event invasive species. <laughs> The, partially the reason this podcast was birthed in the first place so that we could talk about these creatures. Uh, last but not least, the most invasive species in Philadelphia are pigeons. Uh, a common sight in urban areas around the country, pigeons are not native to North America. They're not invasive, are they? I mean, they're just, they're just sweet little birds. They are, they are classified as invasive <laughs> by the USDA. Oh. <laughs> I guess you never... You don't want to touch them, so all right, I understand. <laughs> no, you definitely don't want to touch them. I don't. You don't want to touch them, yeah. Um, but they are kind of a they are the the quintessential city animal. Uh, these birds are actually uh, native to North Africa, the Middle East, and Europe, where they are known as rock doves. Uh, pigeons were rock doves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd watch that cartoon. Uh, pigeons are introduced in North. Pigeons were introduced into North America in the early 1600s, likely as a source of food, like chickens. But the birds escaped, and unlike chickens, pigeons could fly. So they did. <laughs> oh, they... <laughs> oh, they're uh, they're all gone. Yeah, I guess once you know, you can't let a pigeon out to. That's that. <laughs> it happened again. <laughs> Like hundreds of years later. 
<laughs> they were, they, according to the wiki page, they were domesticated uh, thousands of years ago. They've been used as like messenger birds and as as food right, stock right. for you know thousands of years or whatever. So by the 1600s, friends of um, Mike Tyson, uh, renowned friends of Mike Tyson, um, they were they were considered up until the 1600s as as you know a good source of food. So people traveling to the United States from Europe, you know, they went out, they caught a bunch of pigeons for free, locked them up in, you know, cages and took them on the trip uh, over with them. Uh, but, uh, you know, these pigeons are crafty, crafty creatures. And so they got out. Once uh, pigeons escaped into the city, their populations exploded, especially uh, in Philadelphia, because uh, the city is tailor-made for these birds. Uh, for one, pigeons can thrive on human food, unlike, say, robins or cardinals. And uh, the city buildings and window ledges mimic the rocky cliffs originally inhabited by their ancestors in the Middle East. Uh, but there's another reason why these pigeons are so successful in the cities. They are incredible navigators. Some of these birds can find their way home from nearly a thousand miles away, or kilometers away, excuse me. Uh, 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 oh, sorry, uh, we're in Europe here. Okay. Yeah, I don't know the metric system that well. I just jumped right to miles. Uh, how ugly American of me. A uh, thousand kilometers away. You're not that ugly. <laughs> no, <laughs> thanks. Uh, scientists have hypothesized that the birds accomplish such feats by sensing Earth's magnetic fields and using it for guidance. And those navigation skills serve them well in a complex cityscape. Uh, these, uh, this grants them the ability to find food within a city and remember where that food source was previously and then go back there and check those food sources again. So if you see a pigeon outside a food court, a food cart every day, chances are you're looking, you are looking at the same pigeon or group of pigeons. That's one of the places they hit up. They probably hit it up at the same time. Uh, that's just like part of their routine. It makes sense for all the, uh, not to bring up CVS again, but the uh, all the pigeons outside of CVS, that little bomb squad. You know, <laughs> Man, they're just waiting for you to walk by. <laughs> I always, I've, I've seen pigeons, I've read while, I was surprised to learn while looking up all of this stuff, that pigeons are uh, naturally vegetarian. Uh, in the wild, uh, the, you know, as rock doves in history, they would, you know, pick at grains and grass and things like that. Uh, but I have, I have witnessed pigeons devouring truly disgusting things uh, like soggy KFC leftovers and other animal carcasses. They look very carnivorous to me. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's I, what I've the seen, wiki says. I don't think sparrows eat other like chicken things, but I guess the the birds. I always see, the pigeons. I mean, I always see them with the pretzels. You know. Yeah, pretzels. I feel like long... there's so many pretzels in Philadelphia just in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> ground pretzels. Yeah, ground pretzels. They sprout. They just sprout from between the concrete. So I guess uh, a couple, a little, some facts about pigeons. Uh, pigeons are monogamous and typically mate for life. Female yeah. pigeons, yeah, it's pretty sweet, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, female pigeons can reach sexual maturity as early as seven months of age. Uh, pigeons build a flimsy platform nest of straw and sticks on ledges under cover, often located on window ledges of buildings. Uh, they're, they're, I, the thing I was reading, talking about how they can just build these crappy nests anywhere because they're, they they're so structurally unsound. They'll pretty much just, they're, they're, they'll just like lay a bunch of like trash down and call it a nest. And that's part of their advantage to why they can they reproduce so quickly and and how they they survive. <laughs> they can live in any squalor. <laughs> a, a quick bachelor pad. <laughs> yeah, there's like uh, pizza boxes all over. <laughs> uh, eight to twelve days after mating, the female lays one to three eggs, which hatch after eighteen days. 
The hatchlings are born helpless with sparse yellow or white feathers. And chicks leave the nest in 25 to 32 days or 45 days if it's a midwinter birth because it's cold out. Uh, which is why you never see baby pigeons. They spring from the nest uh, fully formed. <laughs> the question that spawned this whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> Trove said... My, my wife asked, brought this up to me. I have to credit her. It definitely blew my mind. Which was, have you ever seen a baby pigeon? And it was like, you know what? No, I haven't. And I see <laughs> pigeons every day. Well, the, the reason is, is because by the time they spring from the nest in 25 to 32 days... They are uh, grown ass pigeons. They're they're they, they look the same as uh, adult pigeons, uh, with the exception of uh, small small differences. Uh, adults have uh, orange eyes, uh, orange reddish eyes. So if you ever see a pigeon with like red eyes, that's an that's an older or fully grown pigeon. And if you see um, uh, a bird with a, a brown or like black eyes, then that's a juvenile. That's still like a six to eight month old pigeon. Baby bird. That's a baby bird. Yeah. They also, they, 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 you know, their, their, their coloring gets grayer as they get older as well. Their, their, their feathers Uh, get get same. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, they're, they're just like us, man. Dude, like we're the pigeons. We're the pigeons. Like who's the real pigeon? (laughs) (laughs) The the pigeons. (laughs) The pigeons are still the real pigeon, but we share a lot in common. It's true. Breadcrumbs. We love them. Yep. I also love uh, pretzels on the ground. So, yep. <laughs> <laughs> practically raised on them. Uh, pigeons also have um, uh, colorful iridescent neck feathers, which are called a hackle. Adult males and females. hackle, hackle. That's what it's called. That that greasy spot, that that shimmery <laughs> greasy spot, oily spot. Yeah. Adult males and females look alike, but the male hackle is more iridescent than the females. Uh, also, the older males have more iridescence than the younger males. So. If you ever see a particularly shiny-necked pigeon, it's an older, wiser male pigeon. I guess you could ask uh, him. You could ask him three questions, or and hopefully. Then <laughs> the, those are the ones that have like a rubber band tied around their one foot. That's all gnarled. Yeah, because that was the style back when they were young. I I usually take the bus and the L, and so I spent a lot of time waiting for buses outside. And you see pigeons because it's where a lot of people are, and there's pretzels. Obviously, they go where the pretzels go. Um, and uh, I always like I watch them just because, like, I don't know, they're fascinating. But yeah, there's always like pigeons that just like are missing half a foot, or they got like a rubber band stuck on them, and it's just like you wonder, like, how did this happen? Like, what's the backcast? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were in a they were in a bad a bad slip and fall. <laughs> I had a cardinal, fifty bucks. <laughs> I bet on the birds. How could I not? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, just that the just that the young ones have less iridescence than the older one. The younger males have less iridescence mm. than the older males. Uh, when I when mm. I was a kid, actually, I to the baby pigeon question or. or or how, why have you never seen one or whatever? My, I asked the same question of my mom when I was a kid, and she told me those those little sparrows that you see around the city. They're called ha- house sparrows. She told me those were baby pigeons, and I believed that until I was. Well, Lorraine just made that up. Said like, that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Lorraine just made that up. 
Till when? Like, shut till up. when? Till when I was in, till I was in college. I said it to a group of people. <laughs> I said it to a group of people like that. Oh, look at that baby pigeon. You said it to a teacher. Right? <laughs> they were like, "What?" Yeah. Well, my mom like, said oh, it. Oh so. man, we're sending this kid back to high school. She was just trying to shut you up. She was trying. <laughs> I believed it for years. I must have asked it when I was like, I'm telling you, like eight years old, and I just like never questioned it ever again. I spread that disinformation uh, like it was fact. I, I edited wiki pages. I was, I was definitely like, wrong. fake using it. Yeah, a baby pigeon truther. <laughs> I can sit here now and admit my, my mistake. Disinformation campaign. It's like, this guy's good. Yeah, I was a victim. I'll be in a documentary someday about how my parents lied to me about baby pigeons. <laughs> um, in captivity, pigeons uh, commonly live up to 15 years and sometimes longer. But in urban populations, uh, pigeons seldom live more than three or four years. Natural mortality factors like being hunted by mammals and other birds, disease, and stress due to lack of food and water reduce pigeon populations by approximately 30% annually. So 30% of the pigeon population wow. dies every year. Wow. Yeah. I, I, it's, a very, it's a stressful life as a pigeon. Um, they live in yeah. the city all year round. They never take a vacation. It's just, it's just bumper to bumper every day, same commute. It wears on you. So for a long time, pigeons didn't have any natural predators within the city. Uh, that is thanks in part to the insecticide DDT, which Americans started using in the 1940s. The use of DDT made eggshells very thin and decreased the population of raptor birds such as peregrine falcons and red-tailed hawks. Uh, but in 1972, the Environmental Protection Agency banned DDT, and as a result, those predators are just now moving back into the city. Uh, so for a long time, they didn't have any, they didn't have any natural predators either. So, you know, I, I remember as a kid, the pigeon, there were way more pigeons, uh, around, uh, now it, it feels like anywhere you went, you had to chase away a hundred pigeons from every park bench and, and every bus, uh, stop, uh, in 1980s Philadelphia. But now there's, uh, all kinds of measures to like get pigeons, keep pigeons like off of ledges and, and, uh, those, those barbed wires, those spikes, those things like that. Uh, putting, you know, there's an, a stone owl outside of every pharmacy and restaurant on uh, Passchunk Avenue. So it's like, it's, it's, it's more of a controlled thing now. A stoned owl. A stoned uh, owl. Yo, when I say like who, like who, that could be like anyone, man. Like we're like the real owls, dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess there are less pigeons. There's a lot of... It's even since the time we were kids, there's like just different animals around. We, we always talk about there were more uh, uh, stray dogs or, or, or little packs of dogs that would be around when we were little, little kids. Um, and then one day the SPCA, I guess, like took all the dogs out the streets. Um, but I mean, I'm sure if there's dogs around, there's different species around or less species around. Maybe that's why there's more possums around now than there ever were, you know. Right, right, because there's room for them to move in and eat that trash that the dogs, the stray dogs were eating or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, and the pigeon population may actually be on the decline um, because of uh, these birds of prey being reintroduced uh, into the cities. Uh, I, you know, you can go to Center City now uh, in Philadelphia and catch uh, a, a hawk or a falcon on a clear spring day. So, uh, you know, they're out there uh, keeping those pigeons in check. The number yeah. of pigeons counted in the midwinter Philadelphia bird census has dropped dramatically. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. Wow. <clears throat> Not to be confused with the midsummer. A pigeon, that's a, a, a pigeon. 
a pigeon has to knock on every nest and be like, "Excuse me, sir, how many pigeons live here?" And they're like, "Oh my god." Well, they god, do it by mail again. now. It's we're not very... a, we're not interested. We're not buying anything. No, no, it's not. It's it it it's a census. It's it's for the midwinter just... census. Uh, the uh, so the midwinter Philadelphia bird census, uh, uh, run by <laughs> Keith Russell, uh, the ornithologist in charge of the bird count. Wow, I want to I want to know all about that guy. I want to know all about his life. Stick on the stay on the line. We'll, we'll, I'm sure it's very eclectic. Well, joining us now is Keith Russell from the. <laughs> Whoa! No, we couldn't get him. He was too busy. He uh, not, he's too busy counting every bird in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> if you interrupt him, he'll lose track. God damn it! Thirty-six. I gotta start over. Thirty-eight. 30, why did you count while I was counting? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Keith Russell says they're down. The pigeon numbers are down, and oh. uh, they're going down dramatically every year. Um, that doesn't mean they're that doesn't mean they're running out or they're or they're going anywhere. That just means they're, no. they're running way down. out of pigeons. They're way down from previous counts. Um, mm. Like I said, man, I just I remember them being everywhere, and now you know I see a few a day. But I just I remember the the city being literally rotten with them. Like walking by like Broad and Snyder, which has like a little patch of grass outside of Southern High School, and. Uh, uh, just being like, it's just being overrun by birds just grazing. Not so much anymore. Uh, the squirrels took it back. They gentrified it. The squirrels took it back our squirrel streets. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, getting rid of pigeons, although the pigeon population doesn't, has been decreasing, it doesn't look like it's going anywhere, uh, but it has been... Um, under assault for a very long time from the residents, uh, from Philadelphia residents. Uh, the pigeon shooting in yeah, Philadelphia. I, when, I, when I was a kid, uh, I was I was like walking home from school, gr- school, I was in grade school, and there was a pigeon, and I like kicked at it to like shoot it away, and I kicked it. Oh, no. I, I, I still feel bad about it. But who would think that I could kick a pigeon, though? You know, that pigeon must, was like a he, he must have been like slow on the draw. You know what I mean? Dude, he's I got know. wings. I don't know. I don't know. But I felt I, I still I'm sorry if he's listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if the pigeon listening audience chooses to forgive you, that's that's up to them. I'm, I'm, I'm they won't. It in there. They won't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. Yeah. You got you got to do some penance first. You got to do some atonement. We we can cut this part out if you want if you really want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you don't sound you don't sound sorry enough. You don't sound uh, like like you're you you tried enough. And I do it again. <laughs> uh, so pigeon shooting in Philadelphia dates back to the mid nineteenth century, a tradition kept alive by the Philadelphia Gun Club. So um, found it in nineteen or rather found found it in eighteen seventy seven. The club attracted many wealthy American sportsmen, including several members of the Vanderbilt family. Annie Oakley and her then-employer Buffalo Bill also attended pigeon shoots at the Philadelphia Gun Club around the turn of the century. Uh, Clay targets had begun being used in place of live pigeons around 1875, uh, two years before the club was founded. Uh, So these people didn't love guns so much as they loved killing stuff. Oh man, that's that's pretty. That's wild. Annie Oakley in Philadelphia. Yeah, her and her and Buffalo Bill just just Buffalo picking off Bill. pigeons. I guess yeah. it was. I, to me, it does not sound very impressive to be like, look at that tiny bird I killed. But I guess I guess shooting a tiny moving target is impre- is is what's impressive about it. 
uh, that the, the, the pigeon could just scoot away or, or get, get airborne, and now you have to follow it and track it and then and still pick it off. Uh, so I guess that's like... Could, uh, could Annie Oakley kick a pigeon, though? <laughs> shoot a pigeon. <laughs> it does not say anywhere in the Wikipedia whether or not Annie Oakley ever kicked a pigeon. I, I, I'm, willing to bet, I'm, I'm willing to bet she'd try, though. For more than half a century, uh, there was a public pigeon shoot held every year on Labor Day in Hegan's, Pennsylvania, held annually from 1934 to 1998. This line, 1998. <laughs> These people were holding on to it for quite some time. Uh, held annually from 1934 to 1998, this live pigeon shoot known as the Fred Coleman Memorial Shoot uh, once drew around 10,000 people. Uh, it was finally called off in 1999 following years and years of protests by animal rights activists and a legal battle that ultimately went all the way to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, uh, where they called it cruel and unusual uh, and uh, animal torture. So they, they put an they had uh, They had some pigeons on the stand speaking their, speaking their case. A couple pigeons in that jury. That's right. <laughs> if we get one pigeon on that jury, you're, you're a free man. <laughs> That's really wild. That's crazy. I went to that, that recently, and uh, um, what it, it's <laughs> just just what a um, an activity from another time. Yeah, I guess in some way it was. I mean, because <laughs> it's that an invasive ago. species. No, but it started like, like I don't know, like like Tamagotchis were around. Like, the same time. <laughs> <laughs> this crosses over with Tamagotchi. That's what's also crazy. <laughs> Ninety eight. Yeah, it lasted pretty. I don't know. I mean, like it looks like an old timey thing. Like release the hounds, and we're gonna go chase a fox, kind of thing. Like that's, you know, it's just like oh, it's something from like another, like a wealthy thing from another time. Yeah, this guy, Fred Coleman, I don't know if you guys, I didn't know who he was, so I looked him up because I was like, who the heck is Fred Coleman and why did he get a memorial shoot named after him? And apparently yeah. he was uh, he was like a, 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 a sportsman, a shooting, uh, a professional shooting sportsman, a target shooter, marksman. And uh, he lived, uh, he was from Higgins, but then he moved to Philadelphia and he was a active computer, uh, competitor in these uh, these target uh, shooting competitions, and he won some big deal competition in Chambersville, and so he got to go to Europe, and then he competed all over Europe, and he killed wow. it in in the UK, where I guess shooting little, like you said, it's an old money sport, and uh, they shooting little birds is is very popular over there, so. He like he was killing pigeons and quail and pheasant and he was just picking them off and they said he was the kill anything that moves. <laughs> they called him the greatest marksman in the world at the time. He was a he was a real big deal. Yeah, and wow. um, uh, then he moved back to Philadelphia and he became like a spokesman for a uh, an ammo. He maker. was mysteriously pecked to death. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly killed hundreds of thousands of birds in his in his lifetime. He worked. Uh, he 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 took a job working for some ammo company at the time, and he he went day to day. He went to Wanamaker's at the department store, and he sold this ammo as a representative of the of the company of of the manufacturer. Wow. Yeah, and so like it, it was like, oh, this ammo is so good. The spokesman sells it down at Wanamaker's in Philadelphia. You can get him to you know sign your 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 shotgun shells or whatever. Wait 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 wait, sold- wait 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 wait. <laughs> Are you Fred Coleman? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, I am. I, am. I used to be. I thought that was so crazy. You could buy a ago. gun and bullets at Wanamaker's. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I don't know if you could buy the gun. I, I'm pretty sure you could. What I looked up said that there was a, a, a game and sports section. So I imagine, like, oh. you know, yeah. they're not necessarily selling in the, in the early 1900s here. They're not necessarily selling, uh, you know, uh, pigskin footballs and things like that. Uh, yeah, I always forget, too. Like, Walmart, everywhere else outside of the city, sells guns and things. Like, ours doesn't, but it's common in other parts of the country. Yeah. And, and yeah, the so they stuff, had, yeah. this was part of that. I mean, you get a fishing rod, you get a rifle, and you're like, I'm, I'm moving yeah. to the rural part Boy of PA. Scout stuff, right. Germantown. <laughs> Germantown. <laughs> Gerard Estate. Uh, I, I guess eventually he, he moved, this guy Coleman, he moved back to Higgins and uh, he, they, they had an exhibition for him on Labor Day. He moved home. It was the first time he'd been home in 18 years. And that is what the Fred Coleman memorial shoot is memorializing is him coming back oh. on Labor Day, and he had like kind of an exhibition and shot a bunch of birds, and everybody was like, "Wooey, I want to be like Fred Coleman when I when I grow up." <laughs> Kill my bird. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then uh, I don't think I don't know if he it said he he retired to Maine after that, but it, also it's kind of confusing because it is Fred Coleman Memorial Shoot. But he didn't die until the fifties, and it start and the and the and the, the shoot the tradition <laughs> started in the thirties. So he was alive, and they were calling it the Fred Coleman Memorial Shoot, and they're like, "Fred Coleman died," and they're like, "No, no, 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 no." The the, the Brian Bierman Memorial Breakfast. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, "Can I come?" No, 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 no. no but we're gonna have scones. <laughs> but if there's anything left over, you can have it. <laughs> yeah, but you're gonna die someday, so we're planning you ahead. Might kick it off. Enjoy it. Um, so, the, I mean, as you can tell, the city, the state of Pennsylvania, uh, most of the country has no love loss for these birds. Uh, and uh, in, in Philadelphia, a professional or an official ordinance prohibits uh, the feeding of pigeons, quote, in any public street, square, park, or place of public resort, end quote. What's more, pigeons' manure can transmit disease to humans, and their droppings can be costly. In the 1970s, Philadelphia would pay the equivalent of uh, $200,000 annually in, in today's money to keep pigeons away from City Hall. Uh, and at one time, several years ago, uh, more recently, City Hall paid to remove 100,000 pounds of pigeon droppings from City Hall. From the roof, hundred thousand pounds. That's a lot of pigeon shit. Yes. That is- pounds. Oh, that's a lot of pigeon shit. Pounds. Pounds. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Um, and I, 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 Trove and I, when we were in our uh, late teens, early 20s, we had jobs where we had to work uh, at and or around City Hall. And so I'd, I'd spend a lot of time, like, you know, walking through that place. And there were, like, these, these old stone staircases on the outside. They're outside the building, but they're inside the courtyard. You know what I mean? Like, so they're, they're covered, uh, but you, can, you get through them through these great archways. And so pigeons fly up in there and they roost. And there were stairways that were then after 9-11 that they just closed down. And the only people who could get in there were pigeons. And pigeons just shit and shit and shit and filled the place up. Yeah, you open the door and it just like pours out. Like the like, shining. <laughs> like the, the shining. elevator. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> um... In the 1950s, the city uh, tried to drug the birds with sedatives. It placed bird seed coated with chemicals on city hall's uh, 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 courtyard in an attempt to tranquilize the birds. 
after which uh, they would be relocated. The idea was the birds would just pass out and they would gently take the birds. It's like, yo, these, these birds can get the one of those seeds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of homeless people and college yo, kids. Let just me, bird let me seed. bum one of them seeds. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I guess the idea was that they were going to like, re, re, they're, they're going to take these pigeons outside the city and, and leave them in somewhere else, but their natural habitat is much more like the city and they can find their way back to their nest from a hundred or from a thousand kilometers away. So it, it just seems like, it just, it just seems like it was never going to work out to begin with. Um, but, uh, with the city abandoned this project when they discovered that, uh, uh, the birds were, were falling asleep in mid flight. And uh, were crashing into the street where they were hitting cars oh, and getting run over. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, so they were just falling on people, and and oh. uh, instead of instead of passing out in their nests or on the sidewalk while they were just walking about, I guess yeah, the birds they, would they, try and take off. Flying to work. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the the city the city realized what was happening and they just they they quit. They they abandoned that one. Also, I think it's just a bad idea to put drugged bird seed out on the 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 sidewalk. You're, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> what, what? Who knows what what animal is going to eat that? Who knows what? What else what, is what going person, to eat it? Sure. Yeah. Um, humans. humans. <laughs> well, I mean, probably mice and rats were probably eating it too. Probably falling asleep in random spots too. Whatever made difference that made. <laughs> or the all the dogs that walked around. So uh, it gets worse. Um, the, the, the city's attempts uh, at ridding themselves of pigeons um, hit a crescendo, I would say, in 1987, where, according to an Inquirer article, the police uh, fired blanks into the air around City Hall in an effort to scare the pigeons away. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the last week's podcast had to do with, let's just buy our guns, create some oxygen. <laughs> that should do it. This is a... Yeah, just an excuse to fire your guns in the air. All right. Yeah, a, a, a classic Philadelphia tradition. Um, <laughs> this operation was terminated when officials realized that the uh, blanks were scaring the pigeons into flying up uh, and evacuating their bowels as they did, and shitting, shoot, shitting on the police below. So ah, uh, uh, the old man. scaring shit. <laughs> uh, so once the once the birds shit on the cops, they they called it quits. Good one. That's a good one. What was their plan? Like, all right, every fifteen minutes, someone goes out on your smoke break to shoot, shoot up in the air, shoot up, and every and then everybody know they were going to do yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Every people are walking down the street like, oh my god, like, like, uh, like, what's happening? Yeah, they're like, they're, they're, hey, we're just uh, making, uh, we're just in Wanamaker, we're just <laughs> doing our usual business. Oh, the cops are firing their guns. I hope that's okay. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it doesn't say anything about how the other businesses in the area or city <clears> officials. <throat> it, it only makes mention of how the, uh, the cops were like, nah, this isn't going to work out for us <laughs> once they got I'm shit on. I'm not getting on. shit on. I'm yeah. not literally in shit on. My, my, uh, my other, my, my, my pigeon story that I have not told during this, but it's, I've told it so many times, uh, was yeah, uh, when, yeah. me and, when me and Zito were teenagers, we were um, meeting up on Broad Street, like around Broad and McKean. And we saw a guy walk down, walk across Broad Street and grab a pigeon out of the sky and put it in his coat. 
and just keep walking. And we we both look at each other like, what did we what just <laughs> happened? Like, where did he take it? Where did did he did he eat what it? Happened? Why did he need it? Why was he so? Why he was like opportunity snag plucked from the sky. Yeah, in his coat, in his trench I, coat. I, I yeah, I'd never seen anything like it before or since. He grabbed it with such grace and and gentle. I never seen anybody uh, like yeah, like grab a pigeon. I you're saying like kicking a pigeon like that's like you never even get close to it. You never think you're gonna catch one. Yeah, this guy just grabbed it. Like he, he like, like he's done it before. He didn't look like he was hunting it either. He was so casual, and that's why when the pigeon started yeah. to fly up, I mean, like, you see like a dollar on the ground. You're like, oh, a buck. Yeah, Let me pick that up. That's, that's exactly what he saw when he looked at that pigeon. He saw a dollar bill. Mm-hmm. It's all dollar bills. Like, oh, sweet opportunity. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> '90s Philadelphia. It's another time. Another time. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, but now and now that we know that it was originally food stock, it makes much more sense that you know somebody was taking it home to eat it. That's just what's. Oh, up. I guess he just ate it. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably the first time it occurred to me that people would eat pigeons. Like, I, I don't know yeah, why. I guess so. Um, but I, I don't know why I would have thought of it before that. You know what I mean? Well, I think we're not supposed to eat wild animals. They say, you know. Was that called uh, uh, bush meat when you just when you just pick it up it's out the of the coronavirus, John? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. Um, does anybody remember any other um, uh, means of, of uh, anti-pigeon uh, contraption or operation that the city has undertaken? The, the those are the ones that spring to my mind. Uh, no, but when I went to uh, so I went to Tokyo like a few months ago. And uh, in Tokyo, there were pigeons, and I was like, "What? I did not know this. They look like our. <laughs> they look like our. They are regular street pigeons, except there's no pretzels. <laughs> they look like our pigeons. <laughs> what else? I mean, I guess they expected them to better. be better dressed, or <laughs> they were more polite. They bowed. <laughs> 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 Pigeons, man. They took over the world. They literally took over the world. They're everywhere. Pigeons world. We live in it. One of the most uh, successful invasive species, not only in Philadelphia, but the whole world. Take that, Fred Coleman. Was that his name? That was his name. Fred Coleman. (laughs) Famous pigeon murderer. Spinning in his grave. If he's he's, he's still not dead. He's 140. (laughs) He uh, he passed in the 50s. uh, and his uh, and his memorial pigeon shoot lived on long after him. Um, so I guess that's that's it. That's all there is uh, to pigeons, as far as I can tell. Uh, f- pigeons, frankenfish, and lanternflies. <laughs> Does anybody have an invasive species they wanted to mention before we call it quits? Um, Other I than mean, human beings, people from Delaware County. <laughs> <laughs> wow! 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 The opinions expressed uh, by Tony Trove in this podcast are it's easy, it's easy, it's easy. I didn't mean it. It was just easy pickings. I had to say it. And you Sorry. waited till the end. Well, yeah. <laughs> so if you, you didn't this far, you probably can you tolerate say, me. If you said it in the beginning, <laughs> people from Delco would turn it off. But you, the long con That's is right, to the make long them wait. Con, it's almost... And then, it, then insult them. <laughs> yeah, you pants them right at the end. <laughs> it just means I like you. <laughs> <laughs> That's just his way. <laughs> okay so i guess that's pretty much all there is to know about philly's most invasive species uh please check out our website uh southfellini.com that's uh s-o-u-t-h-f-e-l-l-i-n-i.com for cool invasive species inspired merch 
While you're there, check out the visual companion for this episode where we've presumably posted all kinds of cool or cute photos of frankenfish, lanternflies, and pigeons. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll join us again next week. Stay stay safe, stay home, and wash your hands. Bye, everyone. Bye. Goodbye.